This is ContraZoom. Where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault. And I'm Rachel Ho. On January 24th, the 95th Academy Award nominations were announced. And that is in preparation of the Oscars coming on, I believe, March 12th is the actual ceremony. I, I should have this up in front of me, but I do not. It's March 12th, yeah. It is March 12th. Yes, my memory served me right. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> uh, and uh, we decided we're going to do our, our, our quick Oscar reactions uh, to our, our thoughts on, on everything that came out. What are our sort of eyes that we should be, you know, different categories we should be keeping an eye on, who are maybe some early favorites, who overperformed, who underperformed, just sort of general thoughts and, uh, and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but before we get into it, um, a, a few weeks ago, I recorded a podcast episode with Paulo Bautista, host of the Oscars Death Race podcast. And uh, his whole thing is he watches every nominated film, as I do too, but he does a podcast about it. And in leading up to the Oscar nominations, he sort of tries to knock out um, the ones that look like guaranteed locks for at least uh, Best Picture and some of the other above-the-line categories. In his last episode before the nominations came out, I was on a show where we tried to predict who was going to get nominated. And so we had a little contest. He opened up a Google form and anyone could submit. Last year, Rachel, you did as well. But this year, I don't believe you did. Uh, no, and I, I didn't even up, know it happened. My I know. I meant to send you the link and I forgot. <laughs> uh, so my bad. Sorry, Paulo. Uh, in the end, I ended up getting 82 out of 120 nominations right, which was good for a 68%. And Paulo just barely beat me with 84 out of 120 for a <laughs> 70%, which is pretty impressive, especially since I locked my nominations in, I believe, like, uh, a week and a half ago and he only submitted his the night before and was like busy crunching data up until the last second possible um so considering mine was a bit on a whim there uh i feel pretty good about how things turned out can i ask is there one that you were particularly imp- like impressed with yourself with that you were like i don't know about this one but like you're you're really happy that you got that one right well, uh, like I, I haven't you know, right? looked back at what my actual predictions were, but he says that I got nine out of the 10 best pictures correct. Nice. And I got two five out of five categories, and that was for best actor and best sound. And he said somehow I got four out of five animated short nominations, which is super impressive. I'll say all that's impressive except the best picture one, because I will say best picture I feel like was very locked up. I it was I don't pretty locked that, in. Yeah. Yeah, that one I that one wasn't very surprising. But sound, I'm impressed with that one. Any any technical category, if people can get those ones, it's, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're gonna kind of get into that a little bit. I'll, I'll start off reading um, the best picture nominees, and that's uh, in alphabetical order: All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar: The Way yeah. of the Water, The Banshees of Anshiran, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. And as you kind of just alluded there, it seemed like it was pretty locked up. Uh, for me, I think the only one that, uh, that, that made it in, the, the one that I got wrong that was a bit of a surprise was Triangle of Sadness. And even that, that was probably like, you know, that's probably in the top 15. So it's not like it was a, a huge, crazy jump to see it get in there. W- would that be the one sort of outlier for you of like the rest of them seem pretty locked in? To me, the, let's see, I'd say seven were locked up. So I'd say actually in alphabetical order, it works out very nicely. I think All Quiet to Tar, those to me were like, that was it. Like those those movies were definitely going to get nominated. I think Top Gun was a bit of 
I think most people thought it was. I kind of thought it would be, but I wasn't sure. Because you, you don't know. Like, so a movie like that, it is a big blockbuster, so the Academy could go a different way. But I think that was more likely than unlikely. But mm-hmm. I think the last two spots were the ones that, you know, people weren't people weren't too sure where it was going to go. I think Triangle of Sadness and Women Talking, like, the, yeah. the two of them. Um, they could have been, not to say they're not good movies, but, like, they could have also been replaced by kind of a number of other things as well. So uh, yeah, but I, I, it's, it's a solid lineup. I think one of the thing that's a bit annoying is I think 2022 was a good year for movies. I think it was like kind of the first full year back, but it does seem that when it came to awards, it was the same movies that were being awarded over and over again. And it was the same people over and over again, mm-hmm. um, which is, that's kind of just what happens. But, um, but yeah, I, I like movies like, you know, After Sun and even The Whale. I think The Whale, a lot of people thought that that might get a best picture at one point, but um, lost a bit of momentum, probably. Yeah, it sort of, of seemed things. like Women Talking kind of took the slot of the the small indie film that could yeah. uh, over yeah. over stuff like After Sun and The Whale. The other ones that were probably in contention were, were Babylon, which I think mm. the reception ended up yeah. being too mixed. Glass Onion, which Netflix just really fumbled that one. Women King, which had, you know, I think maybe just came out a little too early and then just lost steam. RRR, which was never really going to make the cut. Uh, yeah, those are those are probably the only other ones that could have made it in. Um, yeah. So get, getting um, Triangle of Sadness, which won the Palme d'Or, uh, isn't surprising that it made Best Picture. It's just, it seems like the Academy doesn't really care about Ruben Oslin's films beforehand. So it's sort of easy to be like, well, are they going to care about this one? I don't know. Um, so, so I think that was kind of where the only surprise for me, at least, which is why, you know, I, I managed to get nine out of 10, but yeah, you're right. This sort of the, the last couple of it being women talking, um, and, uh, and triangle of sadness and, uh, were the real shockers as far as like, are they really going to get in or not? But you, and even that is not even like a huge shock though, is it? Cause like they no, were always, yeah. Like I think that there were what, maybe five, seven movies competing for that last two spots on the 10, on the 10. Cause this was the first year that they did a full the 10, full 10 as well, part, right? Like it had yeah. to be 10 this year. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything overly surprising here. Like I think if glass onion had gotten in, that would have been more surprising to me than anything. Yeah, probably. Uh, and then, as you were saying, you know, it seems like the same few movies were getting all the nominations and to sort of break down uh, movies with multiple nominations. Everything Everywhere led the way with 11. And then it was just all really close after that. You know, both All Quiet and The Banshees of Anne Sheeran got nine. Elvis got eight. The Fablemans got seven. Tar and Top Gun both got six. Black Panther Wakanda Forever got five. Avatar got four. And then you have a bunch with three and two nominations. That, that seems like it's a lot more clumped together with uh, with the same amount of nominations over past years. Because normally you get one movie that gets, you know, between nine and 11 nominations. And then you get like one movie with like eight. And then like everything else is like seven, six, five. And not so much, not so many of them. Where almost every category is basically the same four movies with one movie switched out sort of thing. Yeah, which again is is kind of annoying because um, there were some really good movies out there this year. So like, I like, you know, I like when there's random movies that just get thrown in, especially into the technical categories. I think that that's fun. But um, yeah, this year seemed a lot more cohesive. Is that the right word for it? Like, yeah, it just seemed yeah. a lot more um, togetherness, <laughs> which is 
yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's good or bad. Like, I think it makes things slightly boring. I think if people, for people who like follow award show stuff and um, get a kick out of like that kind of competition, like it gets kind of boring, but at the same time, it's very helpful for say like your Oscar pool because mm-hmm. um, it's just the same stuff. And for people uh, like you and Paolo who are going to go and watch every single movie, there's only <laughs> so many movies that you need to watch. Yeah, it's true. There's only 54 this year. I, I don't know what the, the numbers are in previous years, but off the top of my head, it's usually high 50s to low 60s is the average. I think, I think it, Paulo said before, I think the average is probably about 58 movies per year. So we're mm. definitely down a couple. Um, and, Not as and you much as sort I of, thought, though, actually. Yeah, I yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, kind of balanced by the fact that the, the three short categories are 15 movies that never overlap with anything. Right. And then usually the documentaries in the internationals rarely have overlaps with other categories as well. There's maybe one or two in the international that get some extra nominations. Um, so you're, you, that's 5, 10, 15. That's 25 films usually that are, you know, the solid base. How many have you, or do you know how many you need to watch still? Of uh, yeah, so I, I started yesterday when the nominations were announced. I had 16 out of the 54, but last night okay. I, uh, I watched four shorts. So now I'm up to, to 20 out of 54, which is 37%. Nice. Not bad. You still got, yeah. what, we got a month and a half-ish? Yeah, it it should be it should be relatively easy. There's uh, a couple movies that don't come out in theaters till till early February, so I'll have to you know make sure I'm doing the treks then. And then there's a couple movies that uh, seem to be in limbo where they're no longer in theaters and not streaming anywhere yet. So I, I oh. don't know how that's going to happen. But if they're no longer in theaters, it probably means they'll be coming to some sort of a streaming service soon enough. Yeah, probably, especially especially with the nominations, right? Like it'll they'll definitely throw it. So that's good. Yes. That's, that's not bad. You you yeah. you've got like a tidy amount of work ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. I say work. Uh, it's just it's fun. You get to watch. <laughs> it's movies. work, but it is it's fun work. It's fun work. Um, how uh, of the best picture? I'm curious. How many of them have you seen? Of the best pictures? Yeah, um, I'm not going to ask you to do them all because I know yeah, you probably I've haven't done that. I've seen all the best pictures. Really nice. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. haven't seen yet. Uh, all quiet. Uh, women talking ever. and Avatar. Oh, you haven't seen Avatar still? All right, you yeah, weren't really because I, I, I don't want to watch it. it in the yeah. slightest. I know. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know my how many I have seen because I am not on the letterbox train. But um, I've seen a good amount of them. Like I, I'd say the ones that, like. Uh, like to Leslie, for example, the random one that came in the yeah. best actors. I haven't seen that. Um, and then a few of the shorts, obviously all the shorts and a few of the documentaries actually I haven't seen. I thought I would have seen more of the documentaries, but the ones that I have seen didn't get nominated. So there you go. Documentary is um, always a, a wild card category. Anyways, whatever looks like a front runner, they're like, nah, we're not going to nominate that at all. Yeah. It's, I mean, the two that I assumed would be in there are the two that I've seen, which is fire of love and all the beauty and the bloodshed. Yeah. Um, and they're both incredible. And like, they're both, I think they both got released like earlier in the years. Well, although for documentaries, yep. that doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, and, and Navalny was the other one I, I haven't seen it, but I kind of assumed it would get nominated because um, yeah, it was just, yeah. A, it was a big deal when it came out. And mm-hmm. so, but I love that all that breathes, um, which is from India. I, I love that that got in there as well because it wasn't 
I think that, like you said, is a bit of a wild card category. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's a cool category though. Like there, there's like a lot of good ones and fire of love and all the beauty and the bloodshed are both exceptionally good movies as well. Just generally speaking, they're both very, very good films. Yeah. I, I haven't seen all the beauty and the bloodshed yet, but I have seen fire of love. Absolutely stunning photography. Yeah. I wish there was a bit more meat to the story. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but the footage they, they got was incredible. It reminded me a lot of the, the neon film a couple of years ago, uh, Apollo 11, where they mm, used yes. unused launch footage, which was just absolutely incredible to see. And it was very similar to that where just a high quality footage that you don't normally get to see. I'll say fire of love. I know we're a bit on a tangent here, but like fire of love. The thing that I, that I loved about it so much was the quality, like the, 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 how they refurbished the image, the video is yeah. very, very impressive to me. And I was reading um, an article about it. Actually, the director was, she did like a whole thing about, um, what was her name? Sarah Dosa, I think is her name. Yeah. Um, she did a, uh, she talked about it pretty extensively and it's in the, I mean, this is not for most people. It's in the press kit as well. Like um, <laughs> how, what, what work she did to, to, or not just her, but others as well um, to get the color very vibrant and, and this and that. And I, I found it that alone to me was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, quickly, I think a, a category we could probably look at is uh, best director. Uh, we've had three women in the last five years get nominated, including the last two winners being women. But this year, uh, they were they were all shut out. I thought Sarah Pauly stood a chance. I predicted her to to get a nomination, uh, but mm-hmm. in the end, she did not. It uh, it went to the Daniels, Todd Field, Martin McDonough, Ruben Ausland, and Steven Spielberg. Once again, Ausland, I, I believe, was kind of my surprise where I didn't think he'd get in for director. Uh, what what do you sort of take of this category? I'm not mad at it. I mean, like, I think actually all the nominations, you and I were saying this last night, yesterday, it was just like, we're not mad at anything. <laughs> like, there's mm-hmm. not really anything that was nominated that I'm like overly angry about or any specific category that I'm like, actually, maybe there's one category that I'm a bit, is a bit of a question mark to me. But um, I mean, all of these picks, I, I get it. Like, I, I get it. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Tar. I probably am one of five people in the world who watched tar and didn't like it that much yeah um but i can understand why todd field would get a nomination like i can objectively see that yes it it was a very well-made film Mm um you know i again if you just look at the best pictures it was just going to be i know baz lerman a lot of people thought he might get in um, because he's never been nominated for best or for director i don't think or was it maybe for mulan maybe for mulan rouge was he maybe i'll pull that up Um, talking but yeah, and I know a lot of people were kind of commenting on how yet again it's it's five dudes or uh, six if you can't. There's two Daniels. <laughs> um, but it's, if I'm completely honest, it's just like I I I don't know who I would take out to put Sarah Polly in. Like because I think that you could take out uh, Ruben Oslin if you want, sure. But like I, I think he's just as deserving to be in there as Sarah Polly is. Um, and it just appears more people uh, like I I like Triangle of Sadness better than I liked women talking as well so mm-hmm. um i like if i were voting in the ballot i don't know if i would have included sarah Polly. if i'm completely honest um not that i think that she did a bad job it's just yeah it wasn't really my kind of movie but um yeah i i i don't know i i think it's it makes sense to me like again there's no surprises in in many of these categories it's just these it's five of it's half of the best picture nominees nominees yeah. basically um yeah. i always find it funny when there's a director that gets nominated but their movie didn't get nominated for best picture that to me is always a really funny um 
uh, imbalance there. But this year, yeah, five five directors, all their movies got nominated. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't have really any kind of shock or disappointment in any of them. I don't think uh, a director has been nominated without their picture getting nominated since they've expanded the field. But yeah, that, that definitely was a case in previous, you know, decades where that would happen, where the, the fifth one would be one that wasn't, that didn't line up with best picture. And now that they've expanded it, because, because at the time it'd be like, Oh, if they got nominated for best picture, they were probably, you know, maybe number six or number seven on the best picture list. And now we see what a 10 list would look like that they're, you know, of course it's going to be one of those 10 make the cut for best director. I guess, I guess the one that I'm thinking of the most is the uh, Thomas Vinter who did the, uh another round oh yeah for another like, round yeah right. like he got nominated for best director but another round didn't get nominated for best picture but it did get You're nominated right. for best international um which i think there has been like a bit of a change in the way the academy is looking at international movies now like it's not it's they're not just beholden to one category like i mean all quiet is a german movie so that that and that made it in um and obviously parasite being a, a the prime example but um yeah, I, I, I guess Park Chan Wook. Some people thought that he might be able to get in for director um, because I believe he got nominated in the BAFTAs. He got nominated for best uh, best director at the BAFTAs. So some people thought maybe he had kind of a shot in there. But um, yeah, decision to leave was shut out completely. So there you go. Yeah. And to follow up your earlier statement, uh, yeah, Basil Luhrmann was not has never been nominated for best director. He's he's only been nominated for best picture for Moulin Rouge and now for Elvis. Um. But yeah, another, you know, you mentioned what we were talking about off air. And if you follow the types of movies that could be nominated, there there was no real surprises. Like, I know a lot of people were really pushing for, like, Mia Goth to be nominated for Pearl. But, like, that was never going to happen in the first place. And aside from that fact, I wasn't really crazy on that movie anyway, so it doesn't really matter too much. Um but yeah, you, you look at the types of movies that like stood a chance of, you know, there are, you know, a, a bigger studio is distributing them. There are recognizable names in front of and behind the camera. Um, you know, is there a history of this movie getting awards attention, all that sort of stuff. When you consider all that and then you look at the actual nominations, you look at it and like we were both kind of talking about, it's like, yeah, there isn't really any surprises and no real like how the hell did this get in here sort of thing i think especially since the academy has moved completely over to an online streaming platform for their members to watch where they all get everything they don't have to worry about like oh did this voter get sent this screener uh did they watch it stack up on their shelf all they need to do is fire up their their portal and everything is there that is academy eligible oscar eligible and when you when you know all that sort of stuff, you're like, oh yeah, there, there's no real surprises. And like, yeah, what do I wish different things got in? Do I wish some of my own favorite movies of the year got in? Would they have stood a chance? No, they wouldn't. Have. But you know, you look at this and you're just like, yeah, this all sort of makes sense. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting point though about the fact that now it's on like they have a, a digital platform um, to watch everything. Uh, you know that that does make sense to me that it's um, that's they have a better chance, I suppose, of watching everything. Although it is funny, you would think that they would just send them screeners, <laughs> like like an actual physical like disc, which I'm sure they do as well. But um, I guess not everybody can afford to do it, especially some of the, maybe the docs and the shorts and um, 
the uh what do you call it the um, like the short yeah the smaller movies like i yeah. you know yeah like something like that like there aren't really any smaller movies are there it's kind of funny no, I, that no. to me is always the funny thing is like looking at oh what's the kind of the indie movie pick but there yeah. wasn't really although you could consider maybe everything everywhere all at once as the little indie pick even though it's a24 which i don't know if they can really call themselves an indie house anymore but um that movie was small like in in terms of when it got made and how it was released yes. like and i think that sometimes we forget that because of what a phenomenon it became over the year like it didn't have the marketing budget that like a top gun did it wasn't in theaters for nearly as long as avatar and top gun and um you know elvis and whatnot like and even banshees i would say is kind of small like that that mm -hmm. wasn't a huge huge movie so i guess we're like they're more middle ground but we don't really have a, a random indie pick i'll say that much yeah, yeah. Uh, I would probably say something like To Leslie, the Andrea Riseborough movie, is probably the the smallest movie out of all of them in terms of budget, box office success, people behind mm -hmm. it, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, Everything Everywhere, yes, it was made for a relatively small budget, still a lot compared to what actual micro-budget films are, but it made well over $100 million. Word of mouth is very great. Jamie Lee Curtis has been campaigning nonstop since the movie came out, promoting the movie. Uh, Daniels are so affable and likable. Everyone wants to talk to them and have them on their shows and interview them and stuff like that. So, so it's sort of easy for them to, to get momentum behind them. Yeah, and A twenty four doesn't get a good reputation too for for campaigning, right? Like they're kind of one of the the ones that people go like, oh, they they don't know how to do a campaign properly. Yeah, yeah, they they struggled because they they started up really strong, and if I'm remembering my story correctly, uh, they had a woman in charge of their uh, Oscar campaign and their awards campaigning, and after Moonlight, she got poached by Netflix. And oh. that's right when Netflix was going really hard into trying to win a best picture, which uh, they've really struggled to capitalize <laughs> on their, you know, actually good movies and turn that into award success. Uh, and A24 has since struggled without her. And, and I, I wish I knew her name, but uh, she was apparently like the, you know, the marketing whisperer um, behind Moonlight's cool. campaign there. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's one of those internal <laughs> politics behind the scenes sort of thing. I was gonna say like she's she's kind of like the modern day Harvey Weinstein, but yeah, but not not like not that. <laughs> but what I yeah. mean by that is like in terms of Harvey Weinstein being the whisperer back then. But his, I'm sure her practices are much are, are much more kosher than what his were. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's kind of have a, a quick look at the the different actors. Um, you know, for for best actor, it really seemed like it was always going to be Colin Farrell and Brendan Fraser, uh, with Austin Butler just behind them. Bill Nye sort of seemed like uh, someone who it, it sort of seemed like for like the last two months it was like, oh yeah, and Bill Nye is going to get nominated. I know no one's seen this movie, but he's going to end up getting nominated. You've been talking about this movie for months and months and months. Uh, so it's just sort of funny that it was just sort of like a given that like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll save a spot for him, and then that fifth spot was the one up in the air was it was it going to be tom cruise for top gun was it going to be paul mezcal for after sun was it going to be someone else sort of thing but paul mezcal ended up being the one that, that got it and i think it's probably going to really do wonders for after sun people wanting to check it out because right now he's mostly known as that really hot guy on instagram um <laughs> but uh now people might actually check the movie out 
Yeah. Have you seen After Sun yet? I did, yeah. That was the last one I would watch before the nominations came out. Because I was like, mm. oh, once nominations come out, I probably won't have time for this, so I should check it out now. <laughs> I, was like, I, d- I don't get the love for After Sun. And I, I, so I'm part of the Toronto Film Critics Association, and they voted that as, or I guess we voted that as the... <laughs> Um, you Rachel, like the, you voted this. The, I know. I well, I didn't vote for After Sun, <laughs> but I, it was it it ha, it is considered to be like it kind of cleaned up um, for the TFCA awards. Um, but I I just didn't get the pull of it. But he is very good in it. Like Paul Mescal is very very good in it. And that's the first thing I've ever seen him in. Um, I well, know he hasn't he done has much. A, yeah. He well, he has a big following from normal people. Like a lot of people love him because he's that. hot. Um, yeah yeah <laughs> um but you know we talked about bill nye and he's it does i, I there were some people that kind of like oh it's kind of surprising like in, like you said like in the last couple months it seems like he took but you still haven't seen living yet right no no when you watch it you will completely understand why he is nominated like and why it didn't matter that the movie technically premiered in sundance this time last year right so like yeah. very very early on in, in in the calendar year it didn't get a release and even its release was super small like it was i think this was one of those la new york releases only and then if you had happened to have like a really art housey theater in your in your neighborhood then maybe they would play it too but it, it's been a very very quiet release but when you watch it you can completely understand why an academy voter would put him in there um and it i think it got nominated as well for best adapted screenplay which is very yes. well, well deserved um but it is just what I, however you want to consider like me when i say this it's like he is it is a very uh, an academy movie an academy friendly yeah. movie and his yeah. performance is a very academy friendly performance but i don't and i don't say that in any disparaging way because he is phenomenal in it and i love that movie very very much um but it it kind of i know there were some people that are a little bit surprised by it but to me it wasn't that surprising um but i think in terms of when we think of the oscars these days or any award show we think of campaigning and their campaign has been possibly non-existent like i, I think I he's done a few anything. things like he's <laughs> he's done a few round tables i think but like generally speaking i don't i don't even think they really had a budget to do it so um yeah. even though it's under sony but yeah I, I i'm not at all surprised when you see that paul mescal i think was that was this the the one right like when we talk yeah. about uh for best picture we talk like oh the the nine and ten spots were the ones that we didn't it could have been anybody and or not anybody but like it, it could have been mm-hmm. seven films whereas i think paul mescal was the wild card in this one whereas the other four to me at least seemed pretty locked um yeah you know so i but the other the one spot could have gone to i'm um, i'm like blanking on names that it could have gone to but like yeah, yeah I, the, I actually, the other ones it would have been tom cruise or Hugh yeah, Jackman for the right. sun um jeremy pope for the inspection diego calva for babylon adam sandler for hustle those were kind of the only other ones that may have been considered Really, Adam Sandler for Hustler. Well, they were really? they were they were doing a big campaign behind him. But the the thing is, the Academy is he not was going at to round table. I remember watching one of the round table, like I think it was the Hollywood Reporter round table, and he was in it. And I actually didn't really question why he was there. I was <laughs> like, oh yeah, Adam Sandler's here. Um, that's interesting. Uh, but but yeah, I I think if it were my ballot, maybe I put, probably would have put Diego Calva in because I, I really liked him in Babylon. That was great. Yeah. What I think was most interesting about this category is all five nominees are first timers. 
Which is, you know, I, I've seen a few um, images people have made on Twitter of like there's 16 first time nominees um, this year in, I don't know, if not, was it in acting alone? Maybe it was just in acting, um, which is pretty incredible because we're talking, what, 20 spots and 16 of them haven't been nominated before, which I find just baffling. And like to me, especially in the best actor category, it's Colin Farrell and Bill Nye in particular, how has he not been nominated for anything? I know. But yeah, I mean, Brendan Fraser, we all know Brendan Fraser, uh, mummy and all that kind of stuff. So he wasn't really doing quote unquote Oscar-y stuff. Maybe actually back in his earlier days he did, but Austin Butler's really, really new. Paul Mescal's very new. Um, Colin Farrell. I mean, he, he could have been nominated a number of times for different movies, but Bill Nye is, I think one that I'm, I'm pretty surprised he didn't get nominated before. The other being Brendan Gleeson, who's in the supporting actor category, but I'm shocked that the two of them have never been nominated for anything before. I think with Bill Nye is when you think of his career, and you know, I'm not surprised he's nominated considering he is he's legit, I think, one of the the greatest British actors ever. He is so mm-hmm. good. But he's never really had that star vehicle behind yeah. him of a movie True. that was popular in in North America. Like I, I'm not too sure if he has in in England or not, but you you think of his biggest and most memorable parts. They've always been supporting character role sort of thing, which isn't really the sort of stuff that gets nominated usually. Yeah, like he's like a really really well respected actor. That, but like you're right, I think he hasn't. Maybe he just hasn't really grabbed on the um, uh, yeah. the star yeah, he vehicles, had, like, like you the, said. Yeah, he hasn't had like the lead performances like the some someone like Helen Mirren or Judy Dench or um, mm-hmm. Maggie Smith has gotten in the past, which, which has given them the opportunities to be nominated. It's funny. I'm looking at his wiki page right now, and it's like um, even for BAFTAs, he only has one BAFTA award that he won. Um, which for what film. was it for? Love Actually. Interesting. Which, that, that would, by the that way, would be something I would be like, oh yeah, that wouldn't be nominated ever. But Love Actually came out in 2004. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but All other right. than that, like he doesn't, he doesn't really have, he doesn't really get nominated for a lot of stuff. Like even Golden Globes, he's got three nominations for miniseries, but not for acting. Like Living yeah, is the see, first that thing sense. that he's really yeah. been nominated for quite heavily. So that's actually really fascinating. I, I mm-hmm. thought he would have been a more awarded um, actor. All right, let's move over to actress. We've got Kate Blanchett, Anna de Armas, Andrea Riseborough, Michelle Williams, and Michelle Yeoh. Uh, no surprise that Kate uh, Blanchett, Michelle Yeoh, and Michelle Williams all made it. They sort of seem, especially Blanchett and Yeoh, are, are the front runners for this, with uh, with Williams behind them. Uh, some you know controversy of whether or not Williams should be lead or supporting, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Anna de Armas looked like when the movie came out uh, that she was going to be nominated, and then all the sort of steam came out of that campaign, and then I was a little surprised that she ended up still getting nominated. Uh, and then Andrea Riseborough, which um, I think a lot of people are probably looking at this movie and like, I've never heard of this movie. And I'm sure you've probably seen Andrea Riseborough before. I'm thinking of... Um, Stuff like Birdman is something that she was in that a lot of people probably seen her in and a bunch of other stuff. She's a very talented actor. Um, But basically, you know, the way nominations work is they have preferential ballots and you only really need to appear on a small amount of 
ballots to actually make the cut. And they were crunching the numbers and, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but basically her team was like, Hey, basically all we need is 50 people to put Andrea in their number one spot and she'll get nominated. Can we convince 50 actors to put her at number one? Well, that shouldn't be too difficult. You know, you, you've been around long enough. You, you have connections, you have friends. Uh, you probably are repped by similar people of, your co-stars and peers and things like that. So it's like, okay, yeah, I can probably convince 50 odd people to vote for me. And that's what happened. But it was so blatant, like, Hey, other actors, make sure you're putting Andrea Riseborough as your number one. And it was just like in the last two weeks, it was like, what, what is this movie? Who, who is doing this? What is going on? It was all very sudden of like, that's all you were seeing on social media everywhere for like a good week straight. And it was so confusing. And I wasn't sure if it was going to work out, but clearly it worked out for her. I so I saw a tweet go out and it was like all these different like listing off the different actors that were supporting her. So like Kate Winslet, I know I can't remember who the other ones were, but I remember Kate Winslet name mm-hmm. was in there. And they named a bunch of people saying like, oh, they're all pushing for her thing. I don't know why. <laughs> I legit thought it was like an onion. Like it was a tweet from the onion. Like I just it just didn't seem real to me. I was like, what are they talking about? Why are these actors like pushing for this one person whose movie and whose name has not come up in any of the uh of the awards chatter before and i find it fascinating that like this is the one that just popped up you know like it just kind of came up but uh, yeah i kind of thought it was a joke at first (laughs) but uh i i I don't really have much to say about just because i haven't seen it yet but um i'm sure she's great in it like yeah she's i'm not overly familiar with her work but um i mean if if kate winslet says she's good then she must be good (laughs) i'll go with that like kate winslet i'll i trust kate winslet yeah, like the things that she's most known for, um, Birdman, where she played Michael Keaton's ex-wife. Oh, wait, mm. no, it wasn't his ex-wife. I think he was his co-star. Uh, Possessor, where she was the uh, one of the leads in that. Um, yeah, like she she's popped up a bunch in like movies that we, we've probably seen her in supporting roles. But yeah, the, it was definitely a little surprising. Um, thoughts on the Anna de Armas nomination? I, you know, I do you want to talk about that? It's gotten to the point. Blonde is just a movie that I just don't even like talking about because it really, it, I haven't been that not offended, not even the word, just that upset about a movie in a very, very long time. Um, and like, and you know me, I'm pretty good about whipping through movies. Like, I don't stop, I don't leave like half of it for the next day or whatever. I don't do that. I had to take like three breaks watching Blonde because I just found it so <laughs> difficult to get through. And not because it's a bad movie. Like this is the funny thing is like, it's not a bad movie. And like kind of in the same way I was saying how I, I'm not a huge fan of Tar, but I can understand, like I can see why it's people like it so much. And I can understand kind of the filmmaking aspect of behind it of why it's such a well put together film. And I would say the same thing for Blonde. It is technically a very nice movie. It looks great. I do think Anna Darmus is great in it. I think she does there's one scene in particular where I genuinely thought that they were using archival footage from Marilyn. Like I didn't think it was her. And then I, it took me a second to realize, Oh no, that's just Anna Armas. Um, which might be actually saying more about maybe makeup and lighting and, and costuming, but um, she did a good job. Like she's, she's, she's a great actress and she did a good job in it, but yeah, blonde's just not a movie that I, uh, I enjoy talking about. <laughs> and I'm glad it's only nominated for one thing, though. And it's actually like, at least it's about a performance that I can understand where that gets behind. But if it was nominated for more, this would have been a very tough award season to get through. 
Yeah, I'm very surprised it didn't end up getting nominated for hair and makeup, though. Did it get nominated for hair and makeup? Or nope. it didn't? No, it did not. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, it's a good point. Because I think they yeah. did a good enough job of replicating her. Yeah. Yeah, because I, if you look at Anna Darmus just on her own naturally, she doesn't look like Marilyn, but they yeah. do a very, very good. I, I would argue they do a better job to make her look like Marilyn than they did to make Austin Butler look like Elvis. Um, and Elvis, yep. Elvis got nominated for hair and makeup. So they did, yeah. Maybe I, that might have been more of the people not liking blonde um, and not wanting to award it. Which, like, it's such a shame because it, it's technically like there are people there who have worked really hard. You know, like mm-hmm. the hair and makeup people worked really hard to do a great job. It just too bad that they got behind a movie. I, I'm not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. I'm just going to okay. move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Um, best supporting actor. I think the big surprise for me was Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Uh, yes. That seemed to, to have no real momentum. Uh, but yeah, Brendan Gleeson, Judd Hirsch, Barry Keegan, and Kehoe Kwan uh, all got nominated. And uh, I think they were all kind of expected. I think the big surprise was Paul Dano not getting nominated, which mm-hmm. is where Tyree Henry sort of filled in the gap there. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think that's a, a pretty pretty solid uh group of nominees you know two banshees and uh and that's what i think a lot of people want it i think sorry to me judd hirsch and brian tyree henry were the two that surprised me the most because i really thought if anybody got it from fablemans it would have been paul dano um because I, I i thought he yeah it's i mean i you already kind of mentioned the whole lead versus supporting with michelle williams but because i was going to say maybe paul dano's um no but he is supporting what am i talking about he's definitely a supporting actor um yeah. but yeah causeway is a funny one because i i saw that at tiff i wasn't a huge fan of it um and it didn't pick up really any steam i think it got released on apple uh sometime in the fall it, yeah it's 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 an okay movie he's very very good in it though and i just like him generally speaking as an actor so i think it's like it's his first nomination um and I'm sure he'll get many, many more um, as his career goes on, because he's very early on in his career as well. Like he's done a good amount of stuff, but um, relatively speaking, he's he's just kind of at the the cusp of everything. So I think it's great. Like I think that hopefully this nomination, I doubt he's going to win, but um, I think that this nomination at least will give him a good career push, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's always been really solid and. Like everything, I'm yeah. a big fan of Atlanta and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's one of those things where like every every few years you 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 just are like really happy for this. This is gonna impact someone's career yeah. in in a really positive way. And, and this this year would be Brian Tyree Henry of like yeah, go go Brian. Definitely, and uh, Barry Keegan as well. I would say as well. Uh, he's mm-hmm. just just because he's younger. Like um, that that's the only reason. But he um. I mean, everything he's done, same with Brian Terry Henry, like everything that they've done, they've been good. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. I've seen a bad performance from either of them. Uh, I do love, though, that, and we'll get to supporting actors, like the main four for Banshees, everybody got nominated. I think that that's really Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we'll go over to that as supporting actress. Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon for Banshees, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere. Uh, I, I think, I think there's a, a couple surprises in this, you know, yeah. there at first, um, it was, it seemed like Jamie Lee Curtis was the, the forefront for everything everywhere, getting a, a supporting actress nomination. And people were really worried that that was going to come at the expense of Stephanie Sue. Um, but the fact that they're both in, 
I, I think is going to make uh, a lot of people really happy. They'll probably eventually split their vote and neither of them will win. Kerry Condon seemed like a lock the whole time. But for me, the surprise was both Angela Bassett and Hong Chao, who uh, was, it isn't surprising considering the accolades they got, but a little surprising that they ended up making the cut over women talking, getting any sort of nominations. You know, Jesse Buckley, Claire Foy were sort of the the big ones there. Dolly DeLeon from Triangle of Sadness, Janelle Monet from Glass Onion, Carrie Mulligan from She Said. Those were kind of the the real surprises of, of ones that I think were had a better chance than, um, than both uh, Bassett and Chow. So I, I would actually argue that I was not surprised at all with Angela Bassett. Um, she is, or she has been doing very well in that category um, leading up to when the Oscar nominee ballots were due, like when the, the voters were due to cast their votes. Um, so it doesn't surprise me just because she's gained a lot of momentum. I think that like initially hearing that she was going to get nominated just generally for, for Black Panther. She is very good in it though. I'll say like she's, she is very, very mm-hmm. good in it. Um, but that one didn't really surprise me. To me, the two surprises were Hong Chow and Stephanie Shu, just because they hadn't really gotten nominated for anything yet. And although there was like a big pickup, especially for Stephanie Shu, that, uh, you know, because I think people are not, I don't want to say upset that Jamie Lee Curtis got nominated. People were, but they though. were saying if, were. if you're going to talk about a supporting role or a supporting performance in that movie, shouldn't if you can only put one in shouldn't it go to stephanie shu not jamie lee curtis um and not to say that jamie lee curtis isn't good in the movie i think stephanie shu's just had a tougher role and i mean she had two two roles basically so mm-hmm. um you know i then i think she did a great job so i'm really really happy for her and and hong Tao as well uh with women talking like i think that one I, I kind of feel like they messed up who was supporting and who was lead. Like they didn't, the studio wasn't clear enough about who they were putting mm-hmm. forward as lead actors and who they're going to put forward as supporting because they're kind of all on the same level. Like if, have you, have you seen women talking? Not yet. Not yet. So it's like they're yeah, everybody's more like Claire Foy. I could, I could argue that maybe she's more lead than the others. Um, but like there is an argument that every single one of those women are in a supporting role because no, no one person is, yeah, is the front runner. That's what I've heard. So you end up like splitting the vote basically. And, um, Carrie Mulligan and she said, I think it's a fine performance, but I, I would put any of the five that got nominated above hers, even Jamie Lee Curtis's, I think, um, it's cause I think they're a bit more interesting roles, but yeah, I, I, the supporting categories to me are, are really interesting. They're more interesting than the lead categories, which I think is generally the case, though, actually. Um, I think that the supporting are, are ju- they're just more interesting. Supporting roles tend to be more interesting. So I wish that Hong Chao had gotten in for the menu because I think she was really fun. Yeah. That was really that good. That was so good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy for all, like her, Carrie Condon. I love Carrie Condon in it. And again, like that's what, four, four first time nominees. Because um, I believe Angela Bassett's been nominated before. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I know. I can't think of off the top of my head. I know Jamie Lee Curtis has not, though, which, nope. again, given her very lengthy career, um, is impressive. But yes, uh, Angela Bassett has been nominated twice. Ah, that makes sense. Because she's Angela yeah, Bassett, um, so it makes sense. <laughs> she's great. Yeah, I think the sort of the last category I, I kind of want to spotlight um, is uh, best international film. Uh, normally, we we sort of get uh, a couple ones that we we, we know we're probably going to get nominated from the usual powerhouse 
international uh, film producing countries. And then there's usually like a couple interesting surprises of, oh, hey, we don't usually see movies from this country. Like last year, Bhutan nominated uh, Lunana, uh, A Yak in the Classroom, mm, yeah. which was a real sort of off kilter surprise and really sweet sort of um not quite coming of age story, but uh, just a, a very, a very nice story to tell. And I look at this year, and uh, basically all the countries that got nominated are, uh, are are pretty big film producing countries, and it's it's very Euro centric this year as well, with only uh, one non European country being Argentina, um, coming from South America. So we get all quite on the Western Front from Germany. Argentina 1985 from Argentina, Close from Belgium, EO from Poland, and The Quiet Girl from Ireland. Now, obviously, Belgium and Ireland aren't countries we often get a lot of nominations from, especially since a lot of Irish films are technically in English. Uh, the Quiet Girl is in uh, in Gaelic, um, so that's how it was quali- um, it could qualify for this category. But yeah, it, it's very interesting how uh, how Eurocentric this is. No, no Asian countries represent it. Um, no, no South, one South American, no, um, no African countries, um, just, just seemed very predictable almost, which is, you know, not something I would say about the best international film category usually. That's true. Um, I, I think the quiet girl is the one that I was surprised by, but like very happy for it as well. Cause like you said, Ireland doesn't normally get into this category cause most of their films are in English. Um, so I think it's, I, I love that that was in, and, um, I mean, All Quiet has been a movie that I've loved for since I saw it. But I'll, Close is the other one that I would like. That's um, an incredible, incredible movie. And I think you'll love it when you see it. Because um, I think it's going to come out in February, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I think that's why the February 3rd releases. Yeah, I think you'll love it, though. I Like, I actually, I don't normally say this, especially to you. I don't normally be like, I'm going to say that you love it. I think you'll really <laughs> love Close, though. I think Close will be like, it's such a great movie. And um, uh yeah, I, I I've seen I haven't seen EO, funny enough, um, which I, I do have a link for, but I haven't seen it yet. And I've heard it's interesting. <laughs> I heard it's interesting. It's a big year for donkeys, um yep. in film. A big year for donkeys. But yeah, I think I I mean the one that everybody talks about is the snub or people consider a snub is the decision to leave. And mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like it's very easy for me to sit back now, now that the nominations are out, but like because I never really said this out loud, but I'm not that surprised decision to leave didn't get nominated. Cause I just, I don't know why I didn't feel like people clicked with it in a way that I think you need to click with, with, especially for international film. Like it just didn't get people in the same way. Like it didn't, it didn't have, it didn't have the emotional pull. Um, and then it also didn't have the, like, I guess the shock factor almost, even though there is like some shocking stuff that happens in the movie, but yeah, it just didn't seem to me that it like it, it gravitated towards a lot enough people. I um, mean, it didn't really make enough waves either, just kind of online or general discourse. Um, I think that if that movie were to get nominated, to me, it should have been in cinematography or uh, director because I think that those yeah. were very, very like strong thing. But like, I, I don't know what I would remove um, from the five to put decision to leave in because I think that they're all. Like I've I haven't seen EO, but like I've heard it's great, and so I've heard mm-hmm. that like they're all just as good as Decision to Leave. So I kind of understand why it's not in there. Yeah, 
Um, the last thing before we, we have a little, not game, but a little bit of a game. Um, I want to point out that I'm uh, very happy for overall is, uh, in best documentary, uh, Navalny that is directed by Daniel Rower, who is a graduate from the same high school I went to, which is really cool. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to be rooting for him to win just cause I think that's pretty interesting. And then Women Talking features a performance from Sheila McCarthy, who uh, is a great Canadian actor, and uh, she taught me in college, and I also took uh, private classes outside of college with her as well. She's an absolute sweetheart, and so I am uh, rooting for Women Talking to to win some stuff just because uh, I wish her all the success in the world. I would say um, Canada did really well this year at the, uh, so did Ireland, obviously Ireland did very, very yeah, well. Ireland, um, yeah. Ireland Ooh. smashed it this year, but um, I'll say Canada actually had a very, very good showing um, across a few different categories. So it's cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're going to play some games and um, we, we each came up with three surprises, like pleasant surprises, um, three disappointments or confusions. Cause it doesn't have to necessarily be a full on negative, but something we're a little confused or head scratching about. Uh, and then three, uh, wishes, three, three people, three categories we wished had included, uh, this different film or whatever, however we want to word it. So we'll start with the surprises. Um, I'll say my three out and then you can kind of give your quick thoughts on them and then you can read your three out as well, uh, in case we have any overlap there. Uh, so my three surprises uh, were Barry Keegan for Best Supporting Actor because it just sort of seemed like he was not getting the attention that um, the other three actors were getting. Paul Mezgal for Actor because it's sort of the the little film that, that could and uh, it really sort of seemed like someone bigger like Tom Cruise was going to be in it. And Ruben Ostland for director, which I, I just really didn't think that was going to happen because of uh, how much the Academy has previously ignored his films. So do you have any thoughts on my three surprises there? Um, yeah, I, mean, I agree with all of them. I think that like, Barry Keegan's probably the one that I don't agree with as being a surprise, just because I kind of assumed he would get in. But the other ones, yeah, like we, we kind of talked about it already, but um, they were all of the wildcard spots, right? So it could have gone yep. to them, could have gone to other people. But uh, I mean you know, nothing to be mad at either. Like, I mean, these are pleasant surprises, so it's, it's, um, it's nice to see them. And, uh, for Paul Mescal in particular and Gary, Ke- uh, Gary Keegan, Barry Keegan, <laughs> um, you know, first time nominees. I think that that's cool. And they're both similar to Brian Tyree Henry, uh, and Austin Butler, um, just at the beginning and Stephanie Shu actually, um, at the beginning of their careers. So, you know, the bumps that this is going to give them hopefully will, will pay dividends, um, as they go on. Um, I had once kind of overlap with you, which is, so my pleasant surprises were, uh, I, I kind of lumped just the best supporting categories together. Like I thought Stephanie Shu, Hong Chao, Brian Ty- Tyree Henry, they surprised me in, in getting nods, um, pleasantly so. Uh, my other pleasant surprise was All Quiet on the Western Front. And I it might not seem like it's a surprise, but I didn't know if it was going to show up in as many categories as it did. I thought that it was going to be one of those movies that, just showed up in international and then that was it. Mm. And, um, and it hasn't won the international award either. Like golden globes, they gave it to Argentina 1985. And I think, um, I think I actually think critics choice also gave it to Argentina 1985. So it's, yeah, I, I kind of didn't know if people were really digging all quiet as much as they were, but then it got nine nominations across and best picture, uh, which made me super, super happy because I love that movie. And my last pleasant surprise is 
one that I actually have to, um, it's not really a surprise when I realize something, but uh, the fact that Tar was not nominated for best uh, score, because I was really annoyed that it won best yeah. score at Critics' Choice, because I'm like, there's no score. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I love Hilder, but I'm sorry, that was not. So I was really happy when I saw that it didn't get nominated. Um, but then I saw somebody on Twitter say it actually was disqualified from the category, yep. from the Academy. So it makes sense why it wasn't nominated. Uh, but I'm very happy about that, uh, which is kind of a negative, <laughs> a negative surprise. But I'm really happy it wasn't in there. <laughs> uh, okay, I think I'll focus on your your uh, all quiet <laughs> on the Western Front. We I feel like we we all talked to death about all the different acting stuff, uh, as you already said. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it was definitely a shock. I, th- I think this was the the overperformance of of everyone. You know, mm-hmm. the the rest of the. The films, you know, you can kind of predict that they would have shown up in most of those categories, if not all of them. But All Quiet getting nine is shocking. Uh, I I thought, yeah, once again, it was probably going to be international, probably picture, and then, you know, maybe some of the technicals of... um, you know, either visual effects or sound mm-hmm. or something like that. And that was maybe it. And that was what it was going to top out at like four. Um, the fact that it got into nine is just absolutely shocking in in a very positive way i'm very excited i haven't watched it yet but i'm very excited i do love the original which was coincidentally enough a previous best picture winner Mm -hmm. um so i don't know maybe academy voters were feeling nostalgic and being like oh my great great grandpa who was an oscar voter voted for this movie to win I'll say it's very, it's, it's not, I don't want to say, over, it's not like incredibly different from the first one, but it is pretty different from the original one um, for various reasons. Like, I mean, technology is just a lot better now. So it looks like, I, I love the first one too, or the original one as well. But to me, mm-hmm. the reason it's because it comes from a German perspective versus the American perspective. Um, and that it makes such a huge difference um, in my opinion anyways. But I would also say like it got non- nine nominations, but I, I would also think that Edward Berger, the director and Felix Kammer, the um, lead actor, my guess is they were probably pretty high up in, in terms yeah. of being considered as well. So uh, yeah, I, I think that um, I love that movie. I really, really love that movie. And I'm, I'm so, so happy that it got in, even, even if, you know, Felix Cameron, Edward Berger didn't get nominated. Uh, my guess is that they got a lot of support, even if they didn't get the nomination. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing based on the way everything sort of shook out, Berger was probably the number six for directors, yeah. Uh, yeah. which, you know, means that Polly was even lower than that. Mm-hmm. Than we than some of us might have expected. Uh, all right, moving on to the disappointment. Um, we talked about this a lot, so don't have to repeat anything. But the Andrea Riseborough nomination, not necessarily a disappointment. That would be my confusion of like, how did she pull this off, sort of thing. Uh, is this going to be a template for future campaigners as well? We mm-hmm. we we will have to sort of see how that impacts things going forward. Uh, but my my disappointment are. Uh, Elvis gained cinematography that is CGI vomit all over the screen. Boz Lerman, what the hell? What are you doing? <laughs> Austin Butler, fantastic, so damn good. Yeah, love he's it. Very good. Love everything with that. But man, the cinematography, really? I know. Really? I know. Ugh. Uh, and then my other one being, uh, uh guess what? Here, fucking Diane Warren with another <laughs> best original song nomination, uh, for. Tell it like a woman. Have you heard of this movie? Because I haven't heard of this movie. Is this a real movie? It doesn't even have a wiki know. page. That movie. <laughs> so, yep. like, I I don't know. I it's it's becoming like a bit of a joke now. Diane Warren, just like you see she her is. name, yes. you put her in there. And she's she, got fifteen nominations. 
15. No wins. She's an insanely, she is a talented songwriter and she knows how to write a song that has commercial appeal to it. Like so many of the songs that we grew up listening to, like the big ballads and stuff like that, they're all from her. So it's like, I, I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, what? I've never heard of this movie. And like I said, it doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. And that is the lowest bar of recognizing something. Right. That I, and I, I don't get it. Like, I, I, yeah, that is kind of funny. I have friends with Wikipedia pages. <laughs> not, and they're not 15 Oscar nomination, Oscar <laughs> nominees. It's very strange. Um, yeah. yeah, like, uh, it, it's baffling. You know, we, we were talking about Andrea Riseborough, how she only, you know, needed 50 or so people to put her number one on the list. I think... Diane Warren has figured figured out that secret long ago of being like, hey, the songwriters branch is very small. I probably only need like 15 people to put me on their ballot and yeah. I'll get a nomination. And it's probably like her 15 songwriting friends and they just vote for her every year regardless of what it is. To the point where it's become a running joke um, with, um, with Paul Bautista where uh, he will look up what movies are coming out with songs by her and be like, I'm penciling this in for an Oscar nomination. <laughs> and he's done this for the last three years and he's been right every single time. Um, I'll say, I love how angry you are about this. <laughs> like, I, so like, angry because I'm going to have to watch the stupid movie for no I know. reason. <laughs> to watch the stupid movie that will probably just have the song in the credits. So it really doesn't 100%. matter. <laughs> Yep. It really doesn't matter. That's really funny. Yeah, just wait till uh, Jeff from Classic Movies Live is on this podcast, and and his rage is going to be even is going to be double. <laughs> it's a lot of name brand, right? Like it's a lot of name brand recognition for Diane Warren, and like I I would say, uh, not to harp on the whole Tar score thing, but like I think Hilder had the same thing for the Critics Choice. People like they see the name, they go, oh yeah, good. Um, although yeah. Hilder did the Women Talking score as well, so I don't know why they didn't just give it to that one. Um, let me see. Do I have any overlap with you? Kind of. Um, my one of my disappointments was I'll I'll kind of get the acting one out of the way because we've already really talked about it. But um, Michelle Williams for the Fablemans, which I know is a bit maybe of an um, unpopular thing to say, but I I don't I she was good, but I think that there were a lot of other better performances by lead actresses, um, which I will get into in the next uh, round of this. Um, But the one overlap that you and I have um, for that is the cinematography category. Just generally speaking, that is the one category that I, there's a huge question mark on it. Like I don't, Elvis, I agree with you. I don't know how that got nominated for (laughs) for production design. Sure. Like they did recreate a lot of cool stuff and, and like, I get that, but I don't know about cinematography and then empire of light. I think it's a similar thing. I heard it's the only redeeming quality of that movie. It's the same thing, I think, with Diane Warren, where it's it's Richard Deacons. Roger Deacons. Roger, sorry. (laughs) Richard. Um it's it's a name it's just a name association. Like we see Deacons. And funny enough, I think he's only really won one uh cinematography award, but he is one of the most celebrated cinematographers um ever really i would say mm-hmm. um and so people but it's not even good deacons like empire of light is not good deacons work like it doesn't look great so i don't understand and i i'd throw bardo in there as well um because it's it's an interesting movie but i, I don't know if i would put for cinematography and there were a lot of other movies that you could have done like i already said decision to leave before but top gun didn't make it to cinematography yeah that was a surprise babylon didn't get in for cinematography which i think could have been deserved um even you could make an argument for Avatar getting in for cinematography. Like it, Avatar is kind of a funny one when you talk about that kind of stuff. Cause I don't know what is cinematography versus 
a visual effect. Um, but I don't know. Ask Elvis. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's that whole category to me was that's the one that I think is a bit of a mess. And I don't know. I there's there's so many other better, more deserving. Um, Even everything everywhere. Picks. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's to F, whatever. I mean. The Academy had to fumble one category, right? Like it had to be yeah. one that they really, really fumbled pretty badly. Uh, my third disappointment is it sounds like I'm going after Top Gun, but I'm not. I Top Gun <laughs> for adapted screenplay is I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on. I love Top Gun. It's a fun movie. I think that it deserves cinematography. I think it deserves sound. I think I, I would even be here for a Tom Cruise nomination. I'm all for that. That's cool. I don't think the screenplay is what should have been the thing that it also got nominated for though. Like I don't get that at all. I also find it funny that sequels need to be put into adapted screenplay because um, like glass onion got in as well. Um, Cause I'm like, the script is still original. It's just that the, the characters I guess are from another movie. Yep. But... That's, that's the way it works, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then I guess we'll, uh, we'll go into our, um, our last category, which is uh, ones that we we wish had been there, um, and so my first one is uh, Dolly De Leon for supporting actress uh, from Triangle of Sadness. I I thought that she was going to get in, and I, and I really was kind of hoping that she would get there. Uh, so I'm a little disappointed that she didn't. Um, but uh, oh well, that's the way I guess uh, it goes for that. Um, I don't really have any other hot takes as far of the as far as the other acting nominations go, and so the only other one I got was interestingly enough a category I usually don't care about, and that is best animated feature. Um, I am shocked that Apollo Ten and a Half didn't get in. Mm, yeah, considering the Academy really likes Richard Linklater and has nominated him a bunch of times, and I watched that movie, I was kind of floored by it. I, I know to start the season. He was Apollo Ten and a Half was actually not it was it was actually considered uh, not eligible to be nominated yeah. because they had deemed rotoscoping not animation. Which, uh, sorry, it is animation. Um, don't know how that happened. I don't know how. I don't know how rotoscoping was considered not animation, but Marcel the Shell with shoes on was considered animation. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. Love. I, I really enjoyed Marcel. Yeah. Really enjoyed it, but it's not an animated film. I completely agree. So with you. completely agree. Don't know. With you. My and then my other weird thing is, um, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really comment on the quality. But my father's dragon, which uh, is a cartoon saloon movie, is the first time cartoon saloon has not been nominated. And I really like when uh, when this category usually has you know the three to four you know big mainstream Disney Pixar DreamWorks movie sort of thing, and then usually the last spot is a bit of an interesting random one. Uh, and I was really hoping that Cartoon Saloon would continue their trend of of getting nominated for all the films that they've produced. Um, we have one overlap, which is Dolly De Leon. Um, I nice. yeah, I really wanted her in there too. Um, I thought she was phenomenal in trying. Like to, she's the one who stole the entire movie to me. Uh, even though there's some other great performances in it, but once she comes on in that second half. It like it's it, I would have just loved to have seen her really for the whole movie because she she's really really incredible. 
Um, also, it would have been really cool to have like three Asian ladies in the uh, in that category. That would have been pretty sweet. Um, mm-hmm. The other one that I wished had gotten in was um, Viola Davis. Actually, uh, I wasn't too keen on the Woman King, but she's phenomenal in it, and I just love her generally speaking. Um, and so, I, and I thought she would get in. Actually, I really, I really did think she would get in, but yeah, I guess there wasn't enough support for it. And then the last one for me. Um, is in the sound category of all things. I thought I didn't think the menu was going to get nominated for really much. Um, I didn't think Anya Taylor Joy or Ray Fiennes was going to get in, but I kind of thought it would do a bit better in like I thought it might get a screenplay nomination. Um, but I really thought it would get a sound nomination because I think that the sound in the menu is pretty extraordinary. Like the way that they move throughout the different conversations in the tables and. Um, you know, even just the sound of the cooking and, and the, the, the silverware and all that kind of stuff. It, it's, maybe it's a bit too small for that, but um, I, I thought the menu would have been a really, really good pick for the sound category. Nice. I, I think that's a that's a really good call out because, yeah, it's true. There's a lot of stuff going on in that movie, and especially since it c- takes place in only one room, mm-hmm. a lot of it could have been uh, confusing or you, you could have misunderstood some things. But I feel like you, you were able to follow along with what everyone was doing at all times, and, th- and that is due to the sound editing and mixing that they, they, they do on that film. And, you know, like, while overall I'll be like, yeah, the menu probably wasn't going to get nominated for, at the Oscars, you know, if it ended up getting one nomination, I'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, that sort of makes sense. One technical nomination, I can see it. Yeah, and especially because it actually adds to the comedy of it as well, because there's a lot of just random flippant lines that you hear in the background um, yeah. in the menu that that makes it incredibly funny if you watch it again, um, which I have many times now. Um, but it, it's, it's yeah, I, I think it would have been a cool one for that category. But, um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think both of us, we've said it um, before. I don't think that we had anything that was like egregiously missing or, or whatever that we were super angry about. Um, Cause it's never going to be perfect. I mean, the Academy of war, any award show, really, it's not going to be exactly how you want it to be. Cause then it would just be mm-hmm. your award show and that would be kind of boring. Right. <laughs> all right cool um yeah i think that sort of wraps up our reaction to the oscars a bit longer than i was expecting but you know we had lots to say um but make sure you are staying tuned to um this podcast because we've got lots more great oscar content along the way um for those who have been listeners for several years probably know that i do lots of best picture stuff And so I'll have three episodes breaking down the Best Picture nominees uh, and all of their nominations that go along with it. Um, So I'll be doing one episode with uh, with Jeff and Pierre from Classic Movies Live, another one with uh, with Paulo from Oscar Death Race, and. uh, a, a new friend, John, who hosts, uh, who doesn't host, sorry, he he owns a website called Red Carpet Rosters, which is uh, an awards-based fantasy league um, that is is really fun, and get him to kind of talk about this uh, this website that he runs and, and how that all works. And then the the last one isn't fully booked yet, so I'm not gonna say anything in case it doesn't come through. Uh, and then of course we'll do our usual Oscar predictions and reactions after the course uh the actual oscars uh so yeah lots of great academy stuff if uh, if that's what you're into make sure you're you're staying subscribed and you're you're checking us out uh rachel thank you so much for for sharing your reactions um where can people find you and what have you been working on if you have anything to promote uh 
oh, what have I been doing? I don't know. I'm in the middle of Sundance at the moment, um, and I'm very tired. So, yeah, go go look at the Sundance coverage. It's mostly on Exclaim, a little bit on POV as well. Um, and I think, well, maybe I shouldn't say it, but I, was gonna, I, I think we're going to do, Matthew and I are going to do an episode for Awesome Friday because he's covering Sundance as well. Uh, otherwise, yeah, there's... Um, Oh, I, I, I know I could promote. Um, I did an interview with Kyle Edward Ball for Skinamarink, um, and that's on oh, nice. Exclaim. And I was very happy with how that turned out. So um, go watch Skinamarink as well. That's doing incredibly well at the box office, uh, given its budget. So, um, yeah, you can go to rachelkh.com and underscore rachelkh on in Twitter and what's the other one? Instagram. <laughs> Where, wherever uh, you are found, I will yeah. link to it in the show notes, Thank of course. Uh, and always promote uh, the Asian cut mm. as well. Yes, and the Asian cut, uh, theasiancut.com, you can go there. We just put up actually our top 10 of the year. So it's top 10 movies and TV shows of the year. Awesome. Cool. Well, then I will definitely share that as well, because that's that's really cool. I didn't realize I don't have to read what, uh, what you and the other fine folks uh, thought were the best. I think it's a good list. I think that we we did like a good amount of um obviously our, our stuff can be Canadian skewed in a way because um we're Canadian, so that that tends to happen to us. Um but yeah, I think that we we put some good picks in there. And and we tried to do ones that weren't super obvious, you know, like I don't believe Decision to Leave is on there actually, which might be a bit <laughs> bit much, but like yeah, we tried to do some ones that um uh, maybe not as many people were talking about. Nice. Well, this was a really good year for Canadian Asian cinema. Yeah. Yeah. It was um good. Canadian Asian cinema in general, like it's actually been a really nice solid year around like the um the diaspora. So it's been um a pleasure to launch a website in the year that there was actually some good stuff to talk about. Yeah. I I like how you guys are sort of uh diversifying what sort of aspects of Asian cinema you're covering. I, th- I think you're doing a really good job of, of really encompassing the entire continent as well. Oh, those are long conversations that we have of what is considered Asia <laughs> because <laughs> it gets dicey in some parts. Like, cause you just don't, yeah. you don't like, is it Asian? Is it not like we, you know, whatever, but, um, but yeah, we have you discussed trying... if Russian films are Asian. Sorry. Have you discussed if Russian films are Asian? Yes, they are. Um, but with that kind of came the discussion of if they are from Russian filmmakers uh, outside of Russia, that's cool. But when they are state funded Russian films, mm. um, we're not so keen on trying to promote those or talk <laughs> about them for obvious reasons. But yeah, I mean, I, Russia, I can't imagine why. Right. I mean, Russia is the reason that Asia is such like geographically speaking is considered such a huge continent is because of Russia. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it they are Asian, um, but it was, you know, like the Middle East is Asian. Um, mm-hmm. And then it kind of like is Israel. Like it was a whole, it's been a whole thing. We've, we've had long discussions about this and then, you know, the political side of it as well with Russia and also with mainland China, um, whether or not like those are movies that we want to promote, whether those are things that we want to talk about. So yeah, that's actually been interesting to just general, like on kind of for our own purposes of talking about, but you don't necessarily see it um, on the website because why would we put I- that out there? I appreciate that uh, you all are, are both excellent film critics and geopolitical experts. Yeah, obviously. We basically <laughs> could run the UN as well. 
<laughs> All right. I think this is a good wrapping up point. This has been a That Shelf podcast. Visit thatshelf.com for more great film discourse. Follow this show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod. Uh, what did you think of the Oscar nominations? Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you'd like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, we do post all episodes there as well. If you really like the show, consider tipping us on coffee. Thanks for checking us out. Mm-hmm.